You know, when uh, I was putting together this episode, by the way, welcome all. Welcome. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for visiting. Depending on what you're doing out there, I hope you're enjoying. But uh, when I was putting together this episode, a particular customer comes to mind when I created this. They were a young couple, young professional couple that needed some professional designing done. And they reached out to me and we came to terms and I, I did a uh, initially a front yard design for them. And they told me up front in no uncertain terms that you know they were going to be doing the work themselves, save some money and for uh, pride of ownership, etc. They succeeded in the front, sort of, but when they undertook the backyard and the design that I was hired to do back there as well, things kind of fell apart. So this week we are discussing when to interject a little common sense into a DIY landscape makeover project and have a pro come in in one form or fashion. As always, welcome back. Let's get going. Glad you're here. Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me coach. Every Friday I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions, so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys, the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. So with the talents, skills, and tools, do you have, and to what degree, would you undertake a landscape makeover project? I guess the first learning lesson here today is be honest with yourself. It's what I saw the most DIY fails is because people did not look in the mirror or into each other's eyes and go, we can do A, B, and C, but honestly, D, we're going to have to reach out and get some help. Nah, 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 we can do it ourselves. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, but you know, uh, mm. You're a teacher, I'm a grocery store manager, we don't have any skills. You know, we can pull stuff out of the ground, but can we pour concrete? You know, something like that. So be honest with yourself. And like the story above, I'll tell you a little bit more about it in just a second. Put your pride in your pocket. It tends to get in the way. It really tends to get in the way. Guys, listen up. It tends to get in the way. It would be like uh, in many cases that I've seen when I have come across DIYers, and I love them. It's what this channel is all about, but it's about taking you from a zero and making you a hero. A lot of times DIYers kind of take it on with the mindset that I have a hacksaw and hammer, so sure, I can put an addition on my house kind of mentality. You know what I mean? So in other words, they have a, a Walmart hoe and a half-ass shovel, so now they're landscapers. And going into it with that much ego and no common sense is just a recipe for disaster, it really is. You know, in the story I started to share with you guys, the DIYers, they really stumbled on two fronts. And one was the ego, and it wasn't the lady, it was the dude. The other was tools. So much demolition was called for in the front yard, and they never really followed the design. They, they really didn't. But so much demolition was called for with 
concrete tear out, rebar concrete, you know, reinforced concrete, and lots of brick, and they had to fill in a pool and all this other stuff. They tried using a really, really old, horribly conditioned, leaky backhoe that they bought in order to do the work that they needed. And then when the backhoe failed, which it was destined to do, they called me back. And I got there and I saw what they did with the front yard. And I said, okay. They asked me how much would services cost to do the backyard. And when they took me back there, I was, I, I was taking it back. I really was. I saw what they had done. They changed a few things like, you know, like in the front yard, instead of using new artificial turf, they went and found used artificial turf for the lawn and complete with football field yard markings on it. And they said, what do you think? Hey, turned out pretty good, huh? The thing about the front yard, and I'll finish with the backyard in just a second, is the fence that they put around was really the only thing they followed in the design. It really was. They had, <laughs> and I said, hey, you know, are you guys happy with it? Yes, they were. Now onto the backyard. They had created a, a cardinal sin when it comes to demolition. And I'll, do, I'll tell you what it is in just a second. They had created such a disaster in the backyard that even I don't know exactly where I would have started on this. And here is my pro advice for the day. If you are going to start a large demolition project for your landscape makeover, and especially if you have a lot of concrete and masonry tear out that you're gonna do, a real strong suggestion would be to start the demolition closest to your exit point where you're gonna be taking debris out and hauling it away or putting it in a dumpster or whatever. Don't start at the closest point of your house and start there and create a huge mess between where your tools are, where you are, and a huge debris pile, and you can't even get your tools out to extricate all this new debris that you've created. And that's what these guys did. Now, in this case, the guy, smart dude, I guess, college-educated environmental geologist, and smarter than you and I, probably, but the problem was is he always let you know it. He didn't need to do that with me. He really didn't. And... Despite having a great master's shingle on the wall in his house, he created such a monumental mess and such a mess that it was a hard decision for me to tell him, no, I don't want to get involved in this job. I just don't. Not that I, not that I could not have. I could have. It would have been a boatload of money to get involved in this but there was something that was rearing its ugly head. Can you tell me what it was? Can you tell me what it was that made Coach not jump into the contractual bed with these guys? It was the chemistry. The chemistry is what made me say, no effing way. There, I'm, nope. And when I did, and I said it in a very professional manner, that's when they decided to get attitude and the design I did for the backyard, they found a two-foot discrepancy in one of the long fence line measurements that I did, a two-foot. So when I measured it 
in person and then I transferred it to the design, there was a two foot discrepancy, which had no bearing on the overall design, you know, and that's why a lot of designers cover their butts by saying, this is a conceptual design. All measurements are estimated and approximated, period. That's why we do it that way. But then they demanded their money back or they were gonna sue. And at that point with the arrogance and everything else, I said, gladly, here's your money back. Give me my design back, get out of my life. And I had that option at that point. Can you imagine if I had got into a contract with them and got in there and started doing stuff? What else, what other things would have reared their ugly heads? So for DIYers, this is the starting lesson of today. Know what your limits are. You know, Clint Eastwood said it best, a man has got to know his limitations, okay? So in your case, know what you're fully capable of doing and how much education and other stuff you need to get in order to be able to manage a project if you're gonna bring in a pro, or what you and your circle of influence is capable of doing before you bring in a pro. And know this, not all pros want to get in bed with you as far as doing piecemeal work. And I'll cover that in a little bit more detail later on in the show. I think from a uh, contractor's point of view, and this I'm telling you this because if you bring people in, you're gonna have knowledge ahead of time of what a contractor thinks, okay, and how they think. Contractors should be able to gauge what they are capable of and, most importantly, what the customer chemistry is like. Maybe you're a small emerging company without a lot of resources yet, a lot of tools yet, and you see something like what I was facing and you see these big ass dollar signs staring you in the face and you leap at the dollars and not what really is involved to get those dollars from start to finish. Start to finish in an actual accurate cost and an actual manpower, power tool type of thing. If you've never done that before and you don't have the experience, oftentimes jobs like what I was looking at and that what I turned down can take a brother out of the game, period. You will not have enough dollars to start and finish it unless you go borrow money or go back to them and go, I have done a horrible disservice to myself and to you. I really underestimated. And if they want, they can hold your feet to the fire. Now you can go out and get yourself a contractor loan and bring in other people and more power equipment and everything else. And you're gonna finish that job at a loss that could amount to tens of thousands of dollars because you leaped at the dollars, but your estimate was not accurate. So remember DIYers, if you're bringing somebody in, make sure you have somebody that's experienced to a certain point, or at least if they're new, very realistic and their estimate reflects that. They know upfront that the estimate they're giving you is gonna cover everything start to finish unless you raise the bar in some way, shape, or form that triggers a cost increase. You add on to something. Something that you were going to do, but then you found out, nah, and you said, hey, Joe, can you do this part for me too? And they go, okay, that'll be another five grand. And you go, I understand. So by the time 
by the time someone gets involved in something like that and they have that legal document called a contract in place, now you're kind of stuck. You guys are stuck together. It's like a bad marriage. And who needs all that crap? You could be facing court litigation. You, I mean, contract your complaints board and all kinds of stuff. All right, well, okay, so much for the negative. Now let's move on to the positive. For DIYers, your limits should be carefully measured against a few things. Your skills, your time, your budget that you have set for yourself, the tools that you have available in one form or fashion, and what is the final end game product you're trying to achieve. If you're trying to achieve some kind of Instagram magazine face cover product, and yet you've set yourself a budget that you know is just above a water budget and not a champagne budget, then be realistic, honestly. Be super realistic with yourself. And at one point, you may have to ask this question. Maybe you can do it, eventually. Maybe you can. But should you do it, and will you finish the project at a level that reflects a professional touch? Can you discern what you are really capable of pulling off correctly and what you definitely need to reach out and have a pro consulted with or hired for part of the job? Another story time. I learned this lesson really early on in my professional career where my limits were at and it was important. And I'm so glad that I learned this early. You wanna know what they were? Here you go. Number one concrete finishing. Concrete and I were like, uh, we were acquaintances, but we were no way, shape, or form best buddies. I formed a lot, but I had at my disposal two great concrete magicians, thank you Tony, who did my pouring and finishing for me. They really did. And in some cases, they did all the concrete work. I did all the prep work, I did all the underground work, and then they would come in and do their magic. Did it cost me more? And eventually the customer? Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> yes, by all means. Did I sleep at night? <laughs> like a baby, like a baby. And more importantly, did my jobs and the work that I created get good reviews, praise and referrals? Yep, they did. So was it worth me knowing where my limits were? Absolutely. The other thing that I learned very early on, number two, and I alluded to this already, customer chemistry. 99% of all my customers were strangers when I met them. And very, very few, less than a handful, were ever friends afterwards. That's not to say that I did not have good chemistry with my customers. I did. I went out of my way. I just got the job done first everybody's satisfaction, and then some. And if friendships bore out afterwards, hey, it was a bonus. But I didn't go into it trying to be all buddy-buddy. This was my business, this was my livelihood, and I have to approach it in that manner. When you become friends too quick, friends expect things. And that is a uh, hangman's noose for a business person. It really is. They're going to expect things that at times they'll want just a little bit of that cookie 
and then they'll want a little bit more and a little bit more. That's human nature. So the same should hold true for DIYers. If you know in your heart that certain parts of the project are within your abilities and some are not, then you have the landscape project game over 60% figured out. And it's so much easier. Maybe you have strong abilities in demolition and you got the tools to match it. And you have friends or family with other right tools to bring into the, the project. Or maybe you have mad carpenter skills. You really do. Anything with wood, you can just, mm. But you have no landscape design skills and that's your weakest link. Knowing this, being aware of this, being honest with yourself and knowing where the resources are to accomplish parts of the project that you're weak on are really something that I delve into very, very deep in Homescape 1.0 in my ebook. Check them out. If you could use a little landscape education before embarking on a project of your own, a nominal expense there is going to pay you back dividends in reducing frustration and having more landscape success. Now, another thing. If you hire a landscape designer, they design your project out. They make their presentation. You are excited about what has been created for you. Remember to pump the excitement and emotional breaks. You can be very happy with the product that they've put out for you. They're probably very skilled ladies and gentlemen, but pump the brakes and inject some due diligence after the design and the presentation and he or she has been compensated and whatever, now's the time for you to break that down. I used to call the design digestion process. And what I mean by this is take the plant list and research it. Go to the nursery or online and make sure the right plants are in the right place. Scale is correct and you have a reasonable estimate in your mind of what the design or project will cost to install. I mean, you have, uh, you've realized that the design aspect was maybe your weak link and you corrected that by going and finding a designer. But did you tell the designer that, hey, we have a budget of $10,000. Here is our project site. We want to make this landscape over. We want you to design it out for us. Did they design it to your $10,000 budget? Or did they take it and create this Taj Mahal that's gonna cost you $70,000 to do? And did you no service except have a pretty picture on a big piece of paper? By doing this due diligence and achieving the answers to these questions can dramatically reduce project anxiety. It can focus efforts like a freaking laser and allow the project journey to be smooth with very few hiccups along the way. By having this knowledge ahead of time, this is how budgets stay in line. Timelines are met when you mingle your work with a professional's work. There are certainly at the end or during the process a lot more smiles than frowns and scowls. And your confidence in your abilities dramatically increase as a result. I swear to God, uh, landscaping and managing landscape projects is 51% mental 
and 49% physical. It really is. And if you get over on the mental side of it, the rest of it is, yeah, it's sweat equity. There's no doubt about it. But because you've educated yourself to a point, everything else just kind of falls into place because you're expecting it. So let's ask a question of you. So what is your tool inventory like? Do you know where to get the tools that you don't have and you might need? Do you have a circle of friends or family that will jump in, get sweaty with you and help you at the onset of the project and maybe at other parts throughout the project? Big, big plus because they're basically your pseudo free help that's coming in without having to pay them except maybe in beer and burgers, I don't know. Tools are really easy to acquire. It only takes money. That's it, right? They can be bought or they can be rented or they can be borrowed. I have spent tens of thousands of dollars over the years on rented power equipment until I could afford to buy my own things. At the end of my contracting careers, I had probably no less than, I don't know, 25 shovels, six picks, 12 rakes, five scoop shovels, thousands and thousands of PVC irrigation parts, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet of PVC pipe, three trailers, one truck, one skid steer with nine attachments. Oh man, what does it all mean? <laughs> that doesn't mean jack. What it did mean to me is that I did it all with cash. I never financed a thing. Never carried any business debt as I did it. But I never took on large projects that would stretch me financially or personnel-wise or travel distance-wise in order to get the job done and meet the budget that I had set for myself. So at the end, when I walked away with a satisfied customer, I too was also satisfied because I made a profit that paid the bills and had a little extra or I could go out and get a new shovel or whatever it was. I found that niche and I stuck to it and it worked 98% of the time, it really did. So what do you take away from that? Well, as a DIYer, maybe that uh, cash on the barrel head type of thing is the best thing for you. Now, there's a lot of people out there that said, hey, you know, I got, I got $130,000 equity in my home. I'm gonna go take a, a HELOC out and I'm gonna buy some tools and, and rent some power equipment. I'm gonna pay for a designer and I think I'll have uh, the backyard patio poured instead of me doing it. Okay, that's fine. You're incurring a little monthly debt for that HELOC, but you're also acquiring the right tools for the job as well. So it's a, it's a balancing act, it really is. You know, in my contracting career, did I please everybody every time? Hmm, I can say this. At the end of each project, I always did what the contract asked of me, and then some. Most of the time, most of the time, when disagreements arose, it was not because I was not completing the contract. Uh, it was more like the customer who was a layman but had money did not really understand the scope of the project, especially why did things cost more because they wanted to expand and why the additional costs would be incurred, the why behind it. Or they had, plain and simple, they had a change of mind, change of heart. Some neighbor told a neighbor who said, oh, 
You know, that, that fence doesn't really go with the neighborhood. And so now it was coach's problem because someone had a change of heart. <laughs> the joys of contracting with the general public. Or you got up to a certain point. And again, early on in my career, I told them, here is the line of demarcation in our project. Once we get up to here, it's kind of a point of no return. So you have to be under, you have to be committed and you have to understand what's happening. That's why I told customers every day, this is what we did today. This is what we're going to be doing the rest of the week. And they knew that was that communication touch that oftentimes created better chemistry rather than just going in, never talking to nobody because people go to work or whatever, you know, and then they come home, they see some progress, but they really don't know what's going on, what's going on next week, that kind of thing. So as DIYers, if you're gonna manage a project and you're gonna have a pro come in for various parts of it, communication is gonna be super key. And as DIYers, you need to understand these points on a timeline as well. There are pros out there that will not do parts and pieces of a project. They have to bring people and equipment and everything else. And if they come in for three days, do part of whatever, then come back four weeks later and do part of whatever, it's either gonna cost you a lot more money or they're gonna pass on it, plain and simple. Depends how hungry they are. But the more you learn and the more you sharpen your DIY skills, the less pro dollars you are gonna to have to fork out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hmm? So answer this for me. What would stop you from doing your own landscape makeover project? Could you do it? What would make you say, nah, not for me? I'd be really curious. And I'd love to get some emails from you guys out there and let tell me up front, you know, coach, that, <laughs> that crap is not for me. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I got a master's degree in blank, 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 and that is allowing me to pay for whatever. Or, hey, I'm a, I'm a go-getter. I like doing things. I like the pride of creating and finishing something. And so I would take it on. But I'd be very curious to know where you guys sit on that. Hey, it's kind of what I have for you. But as far as a little bit of uh, house cleaning type of stuff, I got to bring something to your attention. You know, Yard Coach is a business. And uh, I got to tell you, effective April 1st of 2023, our DIY landscape checklist that we have on the, the website, yeah, we're going to have to attach a price tag to it, I'm afraid. Sorry. But we're going from free to a whopping $2. That's it, $2. And I firmly believe it is still worth 10 times that, I know. But we'll be having a new checklist in its place very, very soon that will not cost you a dime. We hope you check out the website and review our landscape educational products. They will assist you in becoming a more confident and productive landscape capable homeowner. Hey guys, I will see you next week. As always, to your landscape success, I am there if you need me, and goodbye for now.